In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Well, I said at the beginning of our time today that we are going to be talking about what it means to be a part of the church. We're going to be talking about that, also what it it looks like to be a part of the church. Uh, I think our discussion today around 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is both an important and timely lesson. It's uh, something that is important for us to talk about as Christians, but is also very timely considering our circumstances Uh, that we're dealing with today. It's an important topic to talk about what it means to be a part of the church, in particular the unity that we have in the church as God's people, as his family. And it's it's important because our unity, or or maybe better said our lack of it, or, or at least the perceived lack of it, is one of the major uh, criticisms that people have against the church. I think you all know that, right? That that many people look at the church and and the divisions and the arguments and the the, the petty bickering that can happen within God's people, and they think to themselves, I do not need any more of that. I got plenty of that at work every day. People are fighting. Uh, I I have that in my own family. We we can't seem to get along. And the last thing I need is is to go be a part of some stuffy old church where where no one can seem to play nice, right? I I think you're aware that the people have... Uh, these feelings. And, and if we're honest with ourselves as the church, we have to say that, that, that there have been times where we have not lived with the unity that we have in Jesus. We have not reflected, not even close, the oneness that is ours in Christ. And, and we ought to be honest about that and repent of it. And, and the truth is that there are those outside of the church that see our bickering and our infighting, our divisions at times, but there are also people who have been a part of the church and been really deeply hurt by the divisions that they experience, the, the feelings of, of pride and self-centeredness that draw us apart. And people have been hurt by that, and now they, they've left, right? They don't want anything more to do with it. So it's important that we talk about this today, because these are very real experiences and, and feelings that, that people have. Now, I, I do just want to clarify here that everything we're talking about today, I am not bringing up because I, I see this in particular at our church, Living Christ. And in fact, if I'm honest, as, as a pastor, I walked into this church four, four years ago just amazed, and I mean this, I'm, I'm not just saying this to all of you to make you feel good, amazed by the unity that you have, uh, that you had as a church and, and that we have today. So I'm not picking on us because I, I see a problem, but, but the truth is that, that even here at Living Christ in the unity that we have, if, if we think that 1 Corinthians doesn't have anything to say to us, then I think we're kidding ourselves, right? We always have room to grow. We on, always need to be honestly reflecting on our lives in light of God's word. And so it's important that we take these words to heart today about the importance of unity and the destructive effects uh, that divisions can cause. So this is an important discussion, but it's also a timely discussion. And I say that it's timely because as we talk about unity today, or I should say we're talking about unity today in a a time of separation. And so I think we need to talk about what it means to be united at a time like this, but also what it looks like, right? How can we live uh, with this unity when we're all separated and we can't even be in the same building at the same time. And so we're going to close our time today by asking that important question. What does it look like today in these pandemic fuel days to live as the united people of God? So I think this message on church unity is both important and timely. 
Before we jump in, though, let's just talk about 1 Corinthians and what's been going on there. As we heard in Acts, uh, Paul has left Athens, the, the great Greek city, and he has come to Corinth. And almost immediately when he gets there, he begins to face trouble, both from within the church and outside of the church. And one of the major uh, problems that he has to deal with that's obvious in the letter, the first letter to the Corinthians, are, are these divisions that have popped up. Right? They were meant to live as one, but their, their differences have begun to divide them. So we heard today that Paul says what's going on is that some people within the Corinthian church are bragging and boasting that they follow the teachings of the great and wise, the eloquent Apollos, who was a contemporary pastor of Paul. Other people in the church are sticking out their chest, feeling pretty good that they follow Cephas. Uh, that's another name for, for the apostle Peter, you know, the dear friend of Jesus. They're pretty proud of of that. Others within the church said that they follow Paul, who writes the letter, and others still, of course, say, no, 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 we only follow Jesus. You see, there are all these divisions uh, within the church, divisions that were driving them apart. And, and as Paul continues the letter to the Corinthians, he begins to kind of flesh out all of the ways that these divisions are causing problems. He'll, he'll say that, that, that the divisions are obvious in their reception of spiritual gifts, that these gifts from God that they've received, like the ability to speak in tongues, which is meant to bring them together, is actually drawing them apart. It's causing some people to, to act in pride. Uh, it's a tool to push others down while lift some people up. He says that these divisions are obvious in their worship. Uh, it's obvious in their celebration of the Lord's Supper. He says even in their, their, their eating and drinking of communion, some people are getting drunk and having a lot to eat during the meal, and others aren't getting anything at all, either physical or spiritual. These divisions are manifested throughout their, their church. And so obviously this is important, important business that Paul is attending to. Now, again, I, I think it needs to be said what was true of Paul in Corinthians continues to be true uh, for Christian churches today. Uh, but before we talk about churches, I, I would guess that you have been a part of some group, some secular group, like the Corinthian church, right? Maybe it's a sports team, a sports team in which no one was kind of pulling on the same rope or headed in the same direction, a, a team where everyone was in it for themselves. They wanted all of the glory, all of the attention on them. Uh, or maybe it was a committee at work, and no one was playing nice, right? Everyone was just trying to get the attention of the boss in order to get the next promotion. Or, or, or maybe, sadly, you have sensed this division and this disunity within your own family. Right? Families, if, if nowhere else, are meant to be places of oneness, where we're meant to think and, and live together in unity. And, and yet maybe in your family, it's like no one can get along, no one can play nice. Everyone's always looking for the upper hand. I would guess. If you haven't experienced it in a church, you've experienced it somewhere, some group uh, that is known more for its division and disunity rather than its oneness. And of, of course, no one wants to be a part of a group like this, right? Who would sign up to be a part of a, a group where, every, or, or where no one could get a, along, even if the group is successful, right? And that's what Paul is dealing with in the Corinthian church. The Corinthians on the outside had it all, both materialistically and also spiritually. They had been given so much. And yet Paul says, what good is that if you're not playing nice, if you're divided rather than one? 
Again, the sad reality is that what Paul experienced in the Corinthian church continues to be people's experience within the church today. Even today, you have Christians who are full of pride, uh, Christians who, who pull others down in order to lift themselves up, Christians who want to be seen as the smart Christians or the generous Christians or, or the Christians who really fight for social justice. You see this not only on the individual Christian level, but also on the church-wide level, right? You have churches that brag and boast about their amazing music or, or their awesome preacher or, or all of the, the different ministries that serve the poor, right? And, and this continues to happen today. Now, I, I think it needs to be said that the problem that Paul is addressing is not that there are differences, in fact, these differences are gifts, right? It's good that we have wise Christians and generous Christians. It's, it's good that we have churches with amazing preachers and, and beautiful music. The, the problem is not the differences. The problem is that the Corinthians and us today use these differences to divide. The problem is that our focus sometimes is on the individual Christian rather than Christ. The problem is that we've made this about me and my gifts rather than we. How can I use my, my gifts for the good of all? Uh, I, I think that living within the church is kind of like this. Uh, what you see on your screen now is a patchwork quilt. I don't know if you have a patchwork quilt at home, uh, if you've received one as a gift or you've made one yourself. Uh, I've seen these kinds of quilts made out of so many different things. Sometimes they're just made out of the leftover scraps of other sewing projects. I've seen them made out of t-shirts uh, as, as mementos. Uh, and what's cool, really cool about a patchwork quilt is, is that you take all of these different patches, each one that's distinct and, and different and beautiful in its own way, and yet it is brought together into something greater than itself. The beauty of a patchwork quilt comes from all of these different patches that are all part, part of it, all sorts of different colors and designs and even materials. That's where the beauty comes from. But the truth is the functionality of, of, the, of the quilt, of the blanket, comes from the fact that all of the patches have been connected and sewn together. A, a stack of beautiful patches disconnected from each other won't keep anyone warm. No, they need to be brought together. See, sometimes, it was this way in the Corinthian church, and it's this way even today, God's people live much more like a stack of unsewn patches rather than a beautiful patchwork quilt that has been brought together. Too often, we pull ourselves off from the quilt to do our own thing, to boast in our own beauty. But that's not how we were meant to live. We were meant to live lives of unity, of oneness, Again, the problem is not that there's a variety of patches that look and feel different. Just like the problem isn't today that there are a variety of different kinds of Christians and churches, each with their own beautiful gifts. No, the problem is that we've disconnected ourselves. The problem is that we brag and boast about the individual patch rather than the quilt. The problem is, again, that we focus on the Christian rather than Christ. Again, each Christian and their uniqueness is a gift, but our faith is meant to be in Jesus he is the, the foundation of our faith and our unity. Because, dear brothers and sisters, we are united. We are one. 
It, it's not just something we're hoping for. It's, it's something that we have today. God has sewn us together, and he's done it through his son, Jesus, who unites us together like the thread of a quilt that brings each patch together. Paul says that it's the death and the resurrection, the, the foolishness of the cross of Jesus that makes us one. The truth is that every believer in Jesus has received the same gifts of grace and mercy and compassion and forgiveness and love. And, and so while we're all different, none of us is better than the rest. None of us is more deserving of anything than anyone else. We are one. We have the same Savior, the same faith. We've all received the same baptism. We are united. That's what Paul says. So start acting like it, is what he says. There's something powerful, I think, about the unity that is ours in Jesus. When, when we remain united to that single yarn that, that, that sews us together, which is Jesus, there's something powerful in our oneness. Uh, it's a oneness that you just don't find anywhere else. It's, it's not a oneness that comes from like having the same goal or having the same interests, right? That's what unites a club or a committee. But what unites us as Christians is, is Jesus himself and what he has done for us. And there's something powerful in that that you just don't experience anywhere else. I, I asked you at the beginning of our time today to think about a group, the most united group that you've ever been a part of. And, and I hope that for, for some of us, one of those groups is, is a local church, a local meeting of Jesus followers, because there is a special unity there. And I have experienced that on some level at every church I've been a part of. I've experienced it at this church, to be sure, as I already said. But I remember the first time that it really hit me. It was the, the first church I was a part of after the church I grew up in. It was the church that I did a, a year-long internship at as a, as a youth director. I was only at this church for 12 months, actually a little bit less than that. But when I think about my time there, it feels like it must have been much longer because the friendships I formed there and the bonds that, that came out of that, how quickly I, I just fell into the group. It felt like I must have been there for like five years or a decade even because of the oneness that I, I, I still feel like I have over 10 years later. And, and the only way that I can explain that, right, is that what united me was not just some shared interest or a common hobby or even like a, a singular goal that we were reaching for. The only way to explain it is that I had a oneness that transcended all other onenesses, <laughs> that I was united to those people by Jesus. That was powerful. And I, I hope that you have experienced that too. The truth is, though, uh, that the oneness that we have is not just a oneness of heart. It is a oneness of heart. We are united in, in, in hearts of faith in Jesus. But that oneness of heart is actually supposed to leave our heart and, and make its way to our, our hands. Uh, what I mean by that is, is our oneness is not just something we, we think about, right? Like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm united to that person and that person and that Christian and that Christian, but it is a, a oneness that is meant to be lived out in our daily lives in real and tangible ways. And, and that's where I'd like to close our time for today. I said at, at the beginning of our time together that we would talk about how it looks like to live united in, in a time where we are all separated. And uh, there are lots of ways that that can look. Uh, let me just share with you one way that I have experienced the oneness and the unity of Jesus, very practically in my life. Uh, th this happened 
uh, right before I went to seminary off to school to study to be a, a pastor. And in the nine months or so before I, I went off to study, I, I spent some time at a, a nursing home, a local nursing home here. And uh, I remember calling up the, the chaplain, the pastor who worked there, and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm looking for some experience before I go off to seminary. Kind of want to make sure this is for me, but also want to get some, uh, some mud in my boots and get some practical experience uh, learning and growing. And so I called him up and asked if I could help out. And he invited me over to the, the nursing home cafeteria for a cup of coffee and, and a lunch. And we met there and, again, explained to him what I was looking for. He said that he could help out with that. He had plenty of things for me to do. And we just began talking in that conversation. And one of the things that came up was that I was going to be trying to spend uh, my time during these next nine months while I wasn't volunteering, working, so that I could make some money to be able to afford seminary. I wasn't sure that I could afford four more years of school and kind of take on all of that, that financial uh, uh, responsibility and, and debt and so I was kind of trying to figure that out financially and I remember this chaplain really I could see the wheels were turning in his mind right and he said you know what I, I think we can help you out with that and I thought it was just like one of those things people say right like um, yeah sure uh, you, you'll be on my mind or oh, okay I'll help you out or I sympathize with you but if you just said that uh, that would have been fine but 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 he actually meant it and so over the, the course of those nine months, I, I didn't just volunteer, but he actually found a way to get me a stipend for the time that I spent there. And, and then the Bible study that he taught off campus, uh, he had them adopt me. And they sent me a check each month while I was in the seminary. The, their weekly offerings were collected and given to me, and he worked that out. And, and then the, the offerings from the chapel within the nursing home were sent to me as well. All the money that people gave uh, was collected for a time and sent my way joyfully and, and willingly. And, and then he found ways to, to pad my pockets a little more. He, he offered to, to hire me to, to do some little jobs. I helped him move actually one time and, and he took money out of his own pocket and sent it my way. This was a, a practical way of him not just thinking to himself, oh yeah, I'm united to Peter. His problems are my problems. His burden is my burden. But he actually took those problems and those burdens upon himself. The, the unity that he shared with me in heart, the, the unity of Jesus left his heart and went into his hands. And he lived it out in practical ways. And I was abundantly and generously and undeservingly blessed by that. Well, that's just one of the ways that it can look. And, and in this time, this pandemic time, it, it might look a little different. And to be honest, it's always individual, right? Because we each have individual, individual gifts, and that's the beauty of it. We each have differences that are not meant to tear us apart, but are meant to serve the, the greater family. And, and so some of you, you have a way with words. And, and maybe the way that you can use that difference, that gift that you have, is to write a letter to someone else within the church, encouraging them in their loneliness. Or, or, or maybe you have been financially blessed, and your job is secure, and you have more than you need, so maybe you can give to someone who is less fortunate than you. But you know, there is one thing that I think we can all do, and it's something I encourage you to do as soon as the service is over. It's something that might sound simple, or even simplistic, but I think it is so very powerful. And that is to pray. That's one way of, of having our unity flow out of our hearts as we fold our hands and, 
and bow our heads. I would encourage you to pray today for, for your church, for living Christ, to be sure, but also for the church, for all Christians, for the entire family that you are a part of, right? Pray for, for churches like yours, but also for churches maybe not like yours, for, for Christians who don't look like you or, or talk like you or maybe even value some of the same things as you, because we are one, and we're one because of Jesus. And so pray that, that Jesus would continue to unite us, that our differences would not divide us, that our lives would continue to be less about me and more about me, with, with less of a focus on the individual Christian and, and more of a focus in, in an ever-deeper faith in Christ. Because he has, through his death and through his glorious resurrection, made us one. In his name we pray. Amen.